Hello and welcome to Macro Horizons High Quality Spreads for the week of November 2nd, Reactions to the FOMC. I'm your host, Dan Creter, here with Dan Belton, as we bring you our thoughts immediately following the conclusion of the November FOMC meeting. Each week, we offer our view on credit spreads, ranging from the highest quality sectors such as agencies and SSAs to investment-grade corporates. We also focus on U.S. dollar swap spreads and all the factors that entails, including funding markets, cross-currency markets, and the transition from LIBOR to SOFR. The topics that come up most frequently in conversations with clients and listeners form the basis for each episode, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or topics you would like to hear discussed. We can be found on Bloomberg or emailed directly at dan.creter, K-R-I-E-T-E-R, at bmo.com. We value and greatly appreciate your input. Well, then I think my first takeaway from the November Fed meeting was that Chair Powell should give himself a pat on the back because I think he perfectly threaded the needle in messaging a likely downshift in the pace of future Fed rate hikes, while at the same time messaging a likely higher terminal rate and preventing a big rally in both stock and bond markets in response to the FOMC. Indeed, as we walk in here to record now, the yield curve is almost unchanged across the entire curve since before the FOMC, and stocks are going to finish red. So you know, we look back to the Wall Street Journal article where Tim Rose talked about the Fed wanting to maybe slow the pace of rate hikes to 50 basis points, but not have that result in an easing in financial conditions. And so I think the chairman has to be extremely pleased with the market's reaction to the November Fed. And I guess to get started, why don't we take it right from the top and talk about the statement first, where I think there was a bit more change to the statement than we were expecting and many were expecting. Yeah, it was a more consequential statement than we've seen in some time. So there was really just the addition of two sentences. Of course, the one that garnered a lot of attention was that in determining the pace of future increases in the target range, the committee will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy and the lags. The market was taking this as the signal that the Fed was going to downshift to 50 basis points. Powell later clarified either at December or February was most likely. But rightfully so, the market is taking that as December is likely to be a 50 basis point hike. And that's very consistent with what we got from the Tim Rose article about a week and a half ago. You know, what I thought was interesting about the statement was we saw such a strong rally in risk assets following the statement. It seems like the market is so desperate to see a pivot that they've been kind of clamoring for since really the July FOMC. It seems like every time Powell talks, the market wants to interpret it as a pivot, but then Powell took the podium and immediately reversed that risk on sentiment. Yeah, I guess I'll start by agreeing with you there. It's overwhelmingly evident how much the market wants to trade a Fed pivot. And it's what really underpins our bullish view on credit spreads here in the near term is that even after today's FOMC meeting, I think the market will trade a pivot to the extent that it's possible. And to your point, the market action ahead of the press conference and after the statement really was strong evidence of that. But yeah, as you say, Powell takes the podium and immediately right off the bat in the prepared portion of the press conference delivers the most important line. The ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than we previously expected. Now, we obviously don't know how much higher. We didn't get an SCP this time. We'll have to wait for December for that. But his message was very clear. Even if we move to 50 basis points in December, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I thought throughout the press conference, he, at least in my view, continued to sound more scared of inflation than he did of over tightening. 
Yeah, I agree. It's been a very consistent message from Powell, and he didn't really say anything that we hadn't heard before. I mean, even in that Timuros article, there was the notion that in order to prevent a significant rally in risk assets and an easing in financial conditions, one thing the Fed could do was to signal a higher terminal rate to sort of offset that. We even mentioned that in our daily note this morning, that that was one of the likely outcomes that Powell would indicate that recent incoming data probably warranted attacking on of more rate hikes than had been expected in September. And that's exactly what we got. So let's talk about terminal for a second, because SEP last told us that it was at 45 to 4.75%. As we start recording here today, peak Fed funds for May of 2023 is trading just above 5%. And I, I still have to think that that seems too low to me. So even assuming we go 50 basis points in December, that gets us to an upper bound of 4.5%. Then another 25 basis points in February is to 4.75. So the market is pricing in essentially one extra 25 basis point rate hike over what I would consider to be the bare minimum at this point. So it certainly seems to me that the market is still likely underpricing where terminal is going to be, particularly given Chair Powell's tenor throughout the press conference. I mean, he talked multiple times about both the surprise that inflation has been thus far, that it hasn't come down as much as they've expected, as well as what the leading economic indicators are now suggesting, which we've talked about multiple times, is that there's really not much reason to think inflation is going to start falling. He touched on the employment market, which remains extremely strong. He talked about the upside surprise to jolts here. Talked about ECI and wage gain still being pretty strong. Even in a question about rents, he talked about the difference between government statistics and private market statistics, because we've seen a lot of headlines recently about rent inflation starting to fall, and Powell pushed back on that and said, no, we still think rents are going to be coming up. He said, no, we still think that there's a backlog of rent increases that are going to be coming. And yes, at some point, we're going to see that rent inflation start to fall, but we're likely not there yet. So, so really highlighting risks to further upside surprises in inflation from a lot of different metrics and I walk away with the sense that terminal is still too low, but I'm interested in your read. I certainly think the risk is there for a higher terminal policy rate than the market is pricing. Obviously, the market is pricing some distribution of events, but I'm with you broadly that the risk to terminals skewed higher than the market's currently pricing. And I thought one of the things that Powell said that reinforced my expectation for that was how he broke down the rate hiking cycle into three different phases. First, it's how fast to go. And the Fed has been saying for a while that they need to move expeditiously to neutral or moderately restrictive. That phase is most likely over. And we're now shifting to the next phase, which is how high the Fed needs to raise it. One of the things that he said in response to a question about what the bar was for shifting down to 50 basis points, do you need to see some evidence that inflation is starting to come down decisively? And he said, no, that's not the appropriate test for a downshift. It's more, this has always been part of the plan was to shift down once we get to you know moderately or sufficiently restrictive, we start to shift down and then feel our way towards the terminal policy rate. And so in that sense, there's a disconnect between the Fed going to a 50 basis point hike and anything resembling a pause or, or the Fed seeing that its job is done. That comes in the next phase where the Fed is going to have to see clear and convincing evidence. He alluded to multiple consecutive reports of inflation declining before we can even talk about a pause. So we're clearly several inflation prints away from that at a bare minimum. Yeah, I thought the way he characterized those three questions was extremely interesting, though I did struggle a bit with his characterization of 
the pace of rate increases now becomes less important than the other two. I wasn't sure what he was getting at with that because certainly the pace of rate increases is still extremely important. So is he just trying to sort of punt on whether we're going to go 50 or 75 in December? Or what was your read on that? Well, I think it's a nod to the long and variable lags of monetary policy. We've already done a significant amount of tightening. And whether we go 50 or 75 in December, assuming that it has no implications for where the policy rate ends up a quarter later, I don't think it matters all that much in the grand scheme of things, at least as it relates to the economy, the labor market and inflation. So let's talk about the long and variable lags, because that was one of, if not the most important takeaway from today's Fed meeting, the change in the statement that they're not going to be taking into account the long and variable lags regarding monetary policy. And he got a question on it during the press conference that I think for me was maybe the most interesting part of the entire Fed meeting today, where he talked about how the Fed is thinking about the lagging nature of monetary policy and referenced some newer school of thought that perhaps the lag isn't as significant as it used to be in decades past because now we have much more speed of information flowing and financial markets that are anticipating what the Fed is going to do and pricing it ahead of actual central bank policy. And so that maybe the monetary policy lag isn't as long as we used to think it was. And I'm not going to take a stance on that either way. I mean, I think it's an interesting debate to have, but I think the fact that the FOMC is thinking about it that way, that maybe the the monetary policy lag isn't as long as we thought it was before, comes off as a bit hawkish, right? Because if they think that the lag isn't as long as it once was, then maybe we should be seeing more meaningful effects from Fed restriction at this point than we have seen thus far. I mean, I know that we only just started raising rates in March. We didn't get to restrictive territory until just the past few months. So there's an argument that maybe we shouldn't have seen as much. But I mean, it's a stock versus flow measure. And certainly as the Fed moves more and more restrictive, we should be seeing maybe some more meaningful feed through at this point if the lag isn't as long. So if the Fed is thinking that way, and the fact that we really haven't seen inflation fall yet, I mean, I think Chair Powell said at one point that he's got a 12-month grid of inflation and we're right where we were a year ago. He's seen absolutely no improvement and the lag isn't as long as it should be. That tells me that the Fed still plans on raising rates probably significantly from here. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, I didn't initially take it as a hawkish or dovish read at all, but I think that's a fair point that it could lend some credence to the notion that the Fed would like to see the impacts of its policy felt sooner rather than later. I think the the academic literature traditionally says that the length of a policy lag is as long as two or three years with respect to inflation. So even if it's shorter than that, about a year, if you look back to a year ago now, we were still doing quantitative easing. The Fed was, I believe, just this month last year starting to accelerate the pace of its tapering. So even with a much shorter lag than the traditional two or three years, we're still a couple quarters away from starting to really see the impact of the Fed's tightening here. But it is clear that Powell is expecting some of that feed through to show up. And from some other questions, I think Powell indicated that he was disappointed. Inflation hadn't really responded to Fed tightening as much as he had thought it would have. And the other side of that coin, obviously, was he dealt with the topic of over-tightening a lot and didn't really seem too concerned about it yet, said there wasn't really any evidence that we that we can point to that would indicate that we've over-tightened. And then went so far as to say that even if we do over-tighten, we have powerful monetary policy tools that can deal with that if we have to do it. So again, he's been saying this for a while now, and other Fed officials have been saying that the risk of doing too little outweighs the risk of doing too much. But even though that they've messaged a pretty strong guidance here that 50 basis points is what we should expect in December, obviously it's not a foregone conclusion. We have 200 preprints with one coming Friday. So Everything will, of course, be data dependent, but the bar is certainly higher to 75 now than it was in any of the previous four meetings. So the Fed is 
likely effectively messaged 50 basis points. But outside of that, essentially the entire press conference struck me as hawkish, if anything. Did you have a similar read? Yeah, a few other kind of miscellaneous points that struck me as hawkish. He said at one point that even though housing activity had fallen substantially, there weren't any real financial stability risks emanating from it. So no sign that the Fed is ready to blink on that front either. I thought he was very hawkish in general. And again, that was probably part of the playbook. Following the statement that skewed dovish, I think Powell plans to go out there with a hawkish message to tamp down on any easing in financial conditions after he'd already prepped the market for a 50 basis point hike in December. Yeah, and that goes back to what I said off the top. Mission accomplished. He, he really did a great job today on that. Last thing on the press conference I had written down was just on the foreign aspect. I was a little surprised there wasn't more conversation surrounding that, given what we've seen in the United Kingdom since the last Fed meeting. Really only one question on it, and I didn't have really any takeaways from it, basically just saying that we're monitoring. We meet with the other central banks a lot of the time. A nod to the fact that some Economies are struggling with a strong dollar, but ultimately we're the central bank for the United States and we're doing what we need to do for the United States and saying that ultimately getting inflation down is good for the world as well. So, you know, I didn't have much from it. Just wanted to check with you if there was anything you saw there or if you were also surprised at the sort of lack of discussion around that or financial stability, because we have seen other central banks talk about financial stability. That was a key component of the Bank of Canada's surprising 50 basis point rate hike. So financial stability which has been a a hot topic recently and something the Fed talks about a lot of these meetings, no mention at all. Yeah, again, pretty hawkish. He tied that back somehow to talk about how it was important to get inflation under control from a global standpoint. Similarly, I was surprised that there wasn't any discussion about treasury market liquidity or functioning or any discussion around a potential SLR tweak. I was expecting that to come up in one of the questions, but it didn't. So I guess we'll have to wait for further messaging from Barr or uh, any of the other Fed officials on that. Yeah. And on that topic, obviously, this morning, we got news that The Treasury Department has not reached any decisions on buybacks and that they'll revisit the topic at the next quarter they were funding. So that, combined with today's Fed meeting, no mention of SLR or anything, kind of rules out any prospect of something to come along and help with liquidity between now and year end. That was the most likely outcome anyways, but I think now we can say that is certainly the case and liquidity should remain extremely topical and what that means for volatility will, will likely hold true. One last thing, actually, before we go. Last question you got, has the window for a soft landing narrowed and do you still think it's possible? The unsurprising answer to both those questions was yes, but I thought it was at least worth bringing up here just to bring it back to our view on credit, both in the near term and the long term, because we have adopted this near term view for a tactical narrowing in credit spreads. I think spreads are slightly narrower on the day since the Fed. And we we think that can continue with some optimism here for a Fed pivot. But ultimately, in the long term, even the chairman of the FOMC is seemingly not very optimistic about the odds for a soft landing. And this is where he talked about the reason for the declining probability of a soft landing is because inflation hadn't come down to the extent that the Fed had hoped. But I agree, a somewhat surprising amount of pessimism around the odds of a soft landing from Powell. He hasn't been overly optimistic about it, but it does seem to be continually a smaller and smaller probability by his own admission of the Fed being able to achieve a reduction in inflation without a widespread recession. Well, that can only help continue to tighten financial conditions here, which we know is their main goal. So, Dan, I think that about does it for any of my notes here. Do you have anything else before we go? No, I think that covers it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Macro Horizons. Please visit us at bmocm.com slash macrohorizons. 
As we aspire to keep our strategy efforts as interactive as possible, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. Please email us at daniel.belton, B-E-L-T-O-N, at bmo.com. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. This show is supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show has been edited and produced by Puddle Creative. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.